0: Welcome, everyone, to the Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the Grumpy Old Man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, Grumpy, today for the podcast, we have a little bit of NHL news and very exciting news coming off of our recent podcast there with Brady Leovold, a moving and touching story of his life and his and his battles every day and his road to recovery. But I know you are excited, as well as I am, to have a little bit of NHL news coming your way. Yeah,
1: I'm totally jacked because we're going to get NHL action probably in July. Uh, I really I don't think anything's going to stop it from coming back in July. Um, and I'm excited because this is a playoff format that we've never seen before. And I think the NHL really has a chance to push their product, especially, you know, when most people are going to be home. I know the NBA also uh, wants to get back on the court uh, as of in, also in July. But baseball's dead in the water as far as I'm concerned. and football hasn't started yet. And uh, I, I think it's going to be super exciting. I think we're going to see a lot of early upsets. I am really geeked for the start of the NHL playoffs.
0: You, as well as many grumpy old men and, and a lot of people, are, are starved for sports right now. So you're right. The NHL definitely being able to to continue their season and have a playoffs in some capacity, I think, is big. And so for the as well for the NBA. Um, but just to go ahead and, and inform you guys in case you didn't see the news. What we had kind of been talking and alluding to in prior podcasts, the NHL having a 24 team uh, playoff format is kind of going to be the way they're going to go. So the top four teams in each conference are going to go ahead and play each other almost uh, for seeding. So it's going to be, you know, the number one team faces the number four team in that conference, and the number two team faces the number three team in that conference. And depending on who wins in that series, it will determine the seeding of who gets the best type of seed. Um, and then the, the rest of the teams there, number five through 12 of each conference, they're going to go ahead and play a five-game series. So the way it's lined up is the New York Islanders going to play the Florida Panthers.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't see Florida beating us. Um, uh, the one interesting thing that I see about this whole playoff scenario is look at the teams who had players who had season end, supposedly season-ending ending injuries. Uh, Jake Gensel is going to be coming back for Pittsburgh. That's a huge, huge get for them. And I'm going to tell you what, the Islanders getting Adam Pellick back is big 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 for us. Now of course it means the end of no adoption for this year. He will not sniff the ice. But I mean that's that's fantastic for our defense and to me the whole playoff season is going to come down to which goalie gets hot first.
0: Now there's a lot to unpack with what you just said, grumpy old man. I'm not sure if Adam Pellick will be 100% full tilt to go when the season does resume. I know they said he will be ready to go ahead and start skating when they do have phase three initiated. And for for those of you who don't know, phase three is going to happen no earlier than July the 10th. And that is going to be a time period where the teams are going to be able to start practicing again, and they're going to be able to start a formal training camp. And it's going to be six weeks before during this formal training camp before the actual playoff scenario starts. So Achilles are kind of an odd thing. It takes a while to get back from an Achilles injury. Um, and it all depends on how you've healed over that time period. So you know, fingers crossed that Adam Pellic has has been healing uh, at at a good rate. Because if he's able to return for that playoff push, that's obviously a huge get in return for the New York Islanders.
1: Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a prediction right now. He's gonna play. I really believe he's gonna play when all this starts. Um, I mean, he's already. I thought he's already skating now. Um, he he might be, correct?
0: but. He might be. Again, I'm not sure if 100% he is. But, again, like there's a different atmosphere, obviously, when you're skating and you're putting yourself in different situations as opposed to maybe you're running or you're skating there straight line or something like that. I don't know what capacity of skating he's doing at this time period. But when you do get in that game situation, obviously – it's not like you can go ahead and say all right i'm going to skate to point a to point b you're going to have to be able to move in all different and contort your body in all different types of ways so there's no way the Islanders put him out there unless he's 100% fo- full go
1: yeah but look at it this way it's 6 weeks before they have those uh those team functions so he can be working on his own 6 weeks is a long time i mean if you're already on the ice i'm going to i'm going to guarantee we place and he'll be slotted right up there with Ryan Pulak as the the number one defense pairing for the islanders. And you know, as I've often said a hundred times before, you know, when you add a good player, it lifts all the a high tide lifts all boats. And just think about what our defense grouping is going to be after that, right? I mean, think about it. You're going to you're going to be able to rest Johnny Boy Chuck. You maybe team Nick Letty with uh uh with Andy Green. And then you're going to have uh, Devontae out and Mayfield.
0: Yeah, you're going to have a lot of depth back on the defensive side of the puck for sure. Um, and, you know, you're right. No Dobson probably won't play, and I don't mind that. Um, I will say this much. Bringing back Adam Pellick obviously significantly helps the defense out. Um, but I also want to touch on a point you made earlier, Grumpy Old Man. I don't want to cut you off if you had any ideas. But you spoke that whoever has the hot goalie first is going to make a run in the playoffs. And I think you're right. That is a position where if a goalie gets hot, and this is really for any NHL playoffs time period and scenario, if a goalie gets hot, it's really tough to knock a team out of the playoffs. And you're going to have a lot of scenarios where, we talked about it before, offenses usually take a little bit longer to get you know, their cohesive gel back together. And you might have a little bit of a lapse on defense or even your offensive game because you're just starting back up. It's almost like you're starting a brand new season. But whoever has a hot goalie first is really going to make an impact there in the playoffs.
1: Yeah. Like I said, the teams and the teams that are going to benefit, the older teams are going to benefit for certain. Um, That's right. New York Islanders fans should be excited. I'll be honest with you. And what is the one thing we've seen the last couple of years under Barry Trotz? The Islanders come out hot. They come out playing starting the season very well. And I think you're going to see that again. I just – I really like – I'm not going to say I'm picking the Islanders to win the Stanley Cup, but I'm definitely picking them to beat Florida. And I think they're a tough matchup. You know, right now you're looking at uh, Tampa Bay potentially being the second-round opponent. We won't know till the round robin, of course. But I'm not scared of any of those teams in the second round. Not at all.
0: I definitely feel very confident with the Islanders. You know, again, we talked about it, despite the seven game losing streak that we were on before the coronavirus sus- suspension or break, whatever you want to call it. I-, I do feel very confident though with the team and us being an older team, I, I think just like he said, it do- does help us out.
1: Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. The Islanders at the end, when this thing started, the Islanders, for me, they were dead in the water. They might have made the playoffs but they were going nowhere. We were a team that was out of gas and I think now we're just fully rejuvenated. A lot of the older guys any injuries that they had, niggling injuries, well, they're going to be fine now. And I mean, but you can say that about all the other teams as well, but I just think just going in a real push a fast push right from the beginning, I have to like the Islanders chances of going deep in the playoffs this year. I just do. I mean, you hear some of the other teams complaining, oh, we should be the number one seed. Boston Bruins complaining, well, you know, it's not really fair. It's like the regular season didn't count for anything. No, bro. What it means is you don't have to play in the first round of the playoffs. Okay? You're going to have to – what's the worst-case scenario for them? They might have to play Pittsburgh. I mean, is that what they really think? I mean, who knows? I mean, Pittsburgh could get knocked off against Montreal. Like I said, the hot, it's going to be the hot goalie, particularly in that round of five.
0: And I'll tell you this much. I think they they care a little bit about who has home ice advantage, but this kind of moves it into another aspect as well, grumpy old man. We don't these teams are don't really or shouldn't really care all that much as to what their seating is because the games are going to be held in two hubs. They've given us a few options here. the team the places that you know the games might be held. And you're looking at the two city hubs. You're looking at either Chicago, Illinois. You're looking at Columbus, Ohio, Dallas, Texas, Edmonton, Alberta, Las Vegas, Nevada, Los Angeles, California, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Toronto, Ontario, or Vancouver, British Columbia. So you don't see anywhere up there where Boston might be one of those spots that a team might be able to slide. And the home ice advantage, for the most part – I feel like won't be a big factor because you're playing really in two of those hubs. What real home ice advantage are you trying to establish?
1: Well, the only thing is I probably, if it was me, I might've went with a couple of cities that are not going to make the playoffs. Um, you know, who are not in the chase, maybe Buffalo, um, you know, something like that. I mean, I, Because let's be honest, if you have an East Conference, let's say you put the Eastern Conference teams in Toronto, that's a huge advantage for the Maple Leafs. Or if you put uh, the Western Conference teams in Edmonton, that's a huge advantage for the Oilers. Now, myself, I'd love to see all the games up in Canada. I think it would be fantastic. I know it would really suck for the United States. But, I mean, I think just in these times, I'd love to see – Toronto and Edmonton be the two teams, the two cities that are being picked. I think it'd be great.
0: And I will say this also, grumpy old man. No matter where they pick for these hubs, the two hubs they select, let's say in your scenario, it's Toronto and Edmonton. There's no way in hell that the Edmonton Oilers should be playing in Edmonton, and there's no way that the Toronto Maple Leafs should be playing in Toronto it should definitely be where if even if it's Dallas the Dallas Stars should not be playing in Dallas. They should make it to where the team that if you know it is their home ice, they should be playing in the other selection the other selected area so they don't have a home ice advantage where it makes it unfair and, and not competitive for the rest of the team.
1: Right, I 100% agree with that. Absolutely 100%. But I mean, you know, I don't I don't think they're going to do that. I'll be honest with you. I think that they're going to roll with uh putting an Eastern Conference the Eastern conference teams are going to play in the East and the West going to play in the West. And you're going to have to battle that out. I would just, for myself as a hockey purist, I would love to see all those games up in Canada. I think it means more to the Canadian people than it does to the people in the United States. And I would not be opposed to that, but maybe, you know, if you flip Toronto out there and make them play in Edmonton, I mean, honestly, anywhere that you play in Canada is going to be a pro Toronto crowd. Um, you know, it is what I, it
0: is. I guess. I was about to say, no matter where, I, I don't think both selections will be Canadian areas. I think definitely, you know, probably one will be Canadian hub, and the other one will be a hub in the United States. But you're right. Even if those Toronto Maple Leafs were playing in Edmonton, there's still going to be a whole lot of Toronto fans out there. That's that's a good point. Um, but it, it's at least nice and reassuring to see that we are headed back to putting some stuff, you know, pen on paper. Of this is what's going to happen. These are the plans that we have. Um, they're definitely going to have a Stanley cup this year, you know, again, COVID-19 permitting, but it's good to see that. And we kind of, we kind of knew that because all the signs were alluding to that to begin with. Um, and also that the draft lottery is going to happen before June 26th. So they'll find out who won the draft lottery or what the NHL draft is going to kind of shake out to be here relatively soon.
1: Yeah. I'm going to say one thing about that, that draft format. I don't want any of the teams that, are eligible to make the playoffs, I don't want to see them be included in the lottery. Absolutely not. The only teams that should be included in the draft lottery are the seven teams who are not going to be playing anymore. I mean, that's just the way I feel about that. Because you shouldn't give a let's say Montreal, right? They were 500 teams at best. They should be in the lottery. But if you're playing for a chance to win the Stanley Cup, you should also not be in the NHL draft lottery with your own pick.
0: I don't disagree, uh, but that's kind of not what they, they outlined in the guidelines, I think, as of this point. And, you know, Gary Bettman said it, and I think he actually said it pretty well. You know, that there's not going to be any perfect scenario because this is not a perfect situation. So what they're trying to do is just make the best out of a bad situation. And I think they've done that. Um, again, some people might poo-poo the idea of there being 24 of the 31 teams making it or having a chance to win the Stanley Cup, um, you know they definitely have opposing opposing opinions on that some people like it to be a little bit smaller they think 24 teams might be too many um but in this scenario right here i i don't mind it at all
1: yeah me neither i think i think uh, they've done a great job you know yeah right i've heard people complain oh 24 teams well, you know what but the first round is only a play in round i mean that's the way i look at it The top four teams, and we discussed this on a previous podcast, right? You give buys, even if you brought so many teams in, you give buys to the first however many teams, and that's what they've decided to do. And then everybody else is playing for their lives from there on out. There was no way you could get an equality of the points uh, the number of games or anything like that. This is best-case scenario, and I have no problem with it. I think you're going to see uh, balls to the wall starting right away around with that first that play-in round, qualifying round of the playoffs. I think it's going to be fantastic. And I'm old enough to remember when the first round was best three out of five. And those games meant something. You couldn't go down to nothing and expect to win a series back in the olden days. And you won't see it this time either. You're going to have to see teams come out and really want to win one of those, take one of those first two games. Otherwise you're pretty much dead in the water. Oh, absolutely. Especially, especially with a no home ice advantage uh, uh, situation.
0: No, I do agree. Grumpy. Um, and there was actually some specific Islanders news here as of recent as well. Um, and number one, I think being the, the Sorokin uh, conundrum now that we're in. Uh,
1: Before before we get into that, I just have to bring something else up. This is depending, like we're talking about Toronto and Edmonton, this is all dependent if they let fans in the arenas. And I don't think they've decided that yet, um, how they're going to handle that. Now, if they don't let fans in the arenas, it doesn't matter where they play. Honestly, there is no home ice advantage at all. So uh, I'm just assuming that they're going to let fans in the building, and I'm probably just getting ahead of myself here um, because I know that that's kind of what they're talking. But like I said, if they don't let fans in the building, it doesn't matter where they play.
0: I will argue against that, Grumpy Old Man, because as you see in multiple broadcasts, When you do have a team playing in the home ice advantage, they know what what type of bounces the boards have. They know what areas of the ice might be sticky. They understand a lot more about the ice surface and everything like that and the boards and the layout of the actual arena than the other teams that are visiting. So, again, as it may be, it's not a huge advantage, but it's still an advantage to a certain extent.
1: Well, it certainly hasn't helped Toronto this year playing in their own park. So, whatever. (laughs) I, I I when I think home ice advantage, I think actually more about uh, I think more about you know the fans. That's that's what I think about. That's that's home ice advantage to me.
0: Okay, and I think you know again, it wouldn't be a huge advantage if there are no fans in the stands, but it still would be. There still would be some sort of advantage, but again, not not a big one. Um, but I did want to go ahead and talk about E Sorokin. So tell me, this has not got Islanders written all over it, grumpy old man. I have my fingers crossed that things work out. But the way things have progressed, unless there is an update allowing the Islanders to sign Sorokin to a certain entry-level deal here towards the end of the year, so he could be a restricted free agent next season, I'm not sure he comes over. Because the way things were originally written before this COVID-19 all happened, I Sorokin would have been able to sign the first year, the only year of an entry-level contract towards the end of this year's regular season. And then next year, so for the 2020-2021 season, he would have been a restricted free agent, which would have allowed him a larger paycheck. Now, the way things are moving right now, that, that looks to be in flux. And if that's the case, that means for the 2020-2021 season, it would have to be an entry-level contract deal. So he wouldn't, get, he wouldn't be able to be paid anything more than the $925,000 base salary. Um, and that is a lot less than he was earning Um, and at the KS or the CSKA Moscow.
1: Yeah, I know there's still a chance. I don't think that's cemented in stone. They might because they just, I think what they want to have is not people sign players to contracts for this year and play them in the playoffs. So if there's some type of guarantee that they would not play in the playoffs and he would not have played for the Islanders this year. That was not part of it. They just wanted to get him signed to get that one year of the entry-level deal off the book so he could come up and they can offer more as a restricted free agent. I mean, I know that's what wants to happen. But you're right. This has Islanders written all over it. Anything that could possibly go wrong, Murphy's Law does. And it's like, I mean, they signed... How many guys? I think they signed three guys to deals just last week. Um, And the whole thing was that the only guy we want to sign is Sorokin and he's not signed. So well,
0: yeah, we signed you know Felix, Bebeau, uh, Felix Bebo. Felix I'm sure I, I mispronounced that name Bebo. Um, Blade Jenkins, and I can't remember the other. but uh, again, not any huge name guys. and and Ruslan Ishikov actually left. So he was, I believe, with the Yukon Huskies if I recall this correctly. And he left now. I think he's going to be playing in the Finnish Elite League. I, you know, don't quote me on that. Or maybe it's the Swiss League. I cannot remember which one. But as soon as I saw that he was leaving the United States and leaving the college game, I'm like, well, now there's a high possibility that we will never see him in an of jersey.
1: Well, you know, if he doesn't come, he doesn't come. He's a small, undersized center. Um, I think the Finnish game is probably good for him. I don't think we'll see him again. If a guy's leaving the finish league, uh, leaving uh, college to go to the finish league, I don't think we'll see him here ever. So that, I guess, would be called a wasted draft pick.
0: Yeah, and again, you can't predict what's going to happen in the future, but I, I remember when he originally came with the Islanders, he we thought definitely, for sure, this is going to be a rushing guy who wants to stay in the United States in some capacity because he's not going to play in the KHL. He's coming right over to play college hockey. Um, obviously things change, but you know that you're right that he is headed to the finish league. Um, and there's a high possibility we may never see him again, given, I don't know exactly what he possessed. Um, you know, he's only two years. He was only a sophomore about to be a junior next season in college, but it will be interesting to see what happens with that. Because remember that was a, a, a pretty relatively high second round pick of the Islanders two seasons ago. So you're right though if he if he decides to stay in Finland and say yeah I'm not about this uh, North American hockey or anything like that yeah that is you're right that is a wasted draft pick
1: it's another reason why you don't overdraft Russians because they have too many options particularly with the KHL I'm not saying Ishikov fell into that boat uh, he did say he wanted to come over and play the North American style game Um but the lore of going back home is big for these guys. And it's not like the olden days when they played them, paid them like 50 rubles for a year. I mean, they get good money now to play there. And that's why Sorokin hasn't been here for years because he could play an abbreviated schedule and make, you know, a King's ransom for living over there. Uh, and that's, like I said, that that's why you don't see teams draft Russians high. They just don't. Ever since they have that, they uh, the KHL started and they have that disagreement with the NHL, um, it's been a problem.
0: And, and yeah, and, and I kind of want to circle back here to Sorokin. Now, what it said in the athletic article is this, and I'll read the exact quote. Um, provided the one-year entry-level contract could be activated for whatever was left of the, the 2019-2020 season. Uh, That way, Sorokin could have become a restricted free agent in the 2020-2021 season to sign a a more lucrative deal than that $925,000 base salary he would be due on an entry-level contract, but them not allowing these players that have been signed or could be signed at the end of the year. And this is also – it happens with college hockey players as well. If a guy plays one year in college or two years in college and, and the NHL team wants to sign him to a contract, they're eligible to play for the remainder of that season, but the way things are right now, that would not be the case. So if if Sorokin wouldn't be allowed to you know quote unquote play for the rest of the season, the remainder of the season, that again could really hurt him or the ability for him to come over to the United States. Because remember, the the only issue that we've heard that might have been a stumbling block for Sorokin becoming a New York Islander was was Lou Lamarillo and his contract negotiations. But obviously, if this entry-level deal is not being able to be ironed out this season and he'd be able to sign a more lucrative deal as a restrictive free agent next year, that could definitely affect him becoming an Islander.
1: Yeah. Um, and the reason that it's a problem for these players wanting to come over is they ended the season. So it's not like they could say, okay, that was the regular season is over now. So that kind of put the kibosh on all that. Now here's the thing. Lamarillo could certainly offer him – Okay, we'll sign you to the one-year deal, and here's your restricted deal, and we're going to give you a little bit more than we possibly would have before to kind of make up the difference. He could do that. I mean, well, you're
0: talking about then if they signed him to an entry-level contract for the 2020-2021 season, and then promised him a carrot of sorts of a larger contract after. You know, if I'm a player, I'm a little hesitant about that, to be honest. Again.
1: Because well, we had say issues, we've had our issues. We've had our issues.
0: We've had our issues with Russian players in the past. I mean, look at Yan Kovar, right? And again, Yankovar had his own issues. But in the same token, there have been Russian players who've had their issues in the past where they they've tried to do that to a certain capacity and they said, uh uh-uh, uh, not happening.
1: Yeah, but I mean it would have to be written in the contract that there's an extension. After this year, there's an extension for blah, 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 for so many years. I mean, they can do that. There's, there's ways around doing that.
0: I'm not sure how entry-level contracts can be written, if at all like that. Um, but I, I just, I thought to myself, as soon as I saw that news, I'm like, this is, this would be typical Islanders where anything that can go wrong does. Just like you said, Murphy's law. I pray to God it doesn't because this is our goal. This would this was our goalie of the future. I pray to God, though. Again, this doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, to me, just get do whatever you got to do to get that kid signed. I mean, he's the white whale in the Islanders organization, as you've said before. Get the kid signed. I don't. You can sign all the Felix Bebos you want. The one guy you need to sign is Sorokin. He's Ilya Sorokin's the one guy you need to sign.
0: I will say this much. Again, there's not much they can do, grumpy old man if that entry-level contract has to be next season, if he's completely turned off by that idea. And remember, he's going to be 24, 25. As a goalie, I know that's not into the prime of their career, but that's kind of when they're starting to get into the prime of their career for some guys. Some goalies, it takes a little bit longer, maybe 29, 30 years old, until they kind of start hitting their prime. But for a 25-year-old goaltender next season, I can definitely see him being hesitant to say, I'm going to take a pay cut for the possibility to earn more in the future.
1: I can, I can see him being
0: hesitant. I could see him being a little hesitant about that.
1: What I'm saying is you can just extend his contract. I mean, not every player gets to the end of their rookie deal. They have other deals in place afterwards. They can do that. He can do that if he wants. Lamarillo can do that if he wants. And the whole thing is you say, okay, we figured you know, this is what we were going to pay you on your restricted free agent deal. You throw him a little bit more to, get, to make that acceptable. I mean, that's what I would do. You buy out some of those years by giving him more money. I mean, he can do that. Try to, you know, what he shouldn't try to play it like he's so cheap all the time. I mean, here's the thing. He overextended Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Jordan Eberle. I mean, you're overstating old guys for big money. Pay the future of the team the money. That's That's the direction the team needs to go. We, you and we, I disagree
0: we, about Brock Nelson, and I feel like we'll disagree to the end of time, grumpy old man. Well, but they, I don't believe that was a bad contract they, they gave Brock Nelson. I don't.
1: Yeah, well, let's see Let's see what he and – what Croc and average Andrews do in the playoffs. Like, you know, they disappeared uh, the last time the Alders were in the playoffs. Uh, just throwing up goose eggs last year. So let's see what happens.
0: I will say this much. The entire offense threw up goose eggs. And I will say this also, grumpy old man. We're never Italy, yeah, Jordan Eberle didn't. He did not have a poor playoff series. So i will be interesting to see if he's able to maybe ignite some of that fire he had last year in the NHL playoffs. But, you know, kind of as we mentioned earlier, this playoff format, I think, benefits older teams. And it benefits whoever has the hot goalie first. And we've talked about it. And I'm sure as we get closer to phase three, when they start, you know, their formal training camps, we'll be breaking down a lot more in depth the actual matchup between the Islanders and the Florida Panthers. But this, I'm sure, is also going to have implications on how next year is going to transpire and what the schedule looks like for next season as well.
1: Yeah. Um, I'll be really interested to see what they do. I know they – I think next year will start later, obviously. Um, And Probably they won't
0: have an NHL All-Star game.
1: That's fine. I could care less about the NHL All-Star game. Um, Aren't they supposed – when were the Olympics? I know the Olympics were supposed to be in 2020. Was it the Summer Olympics or the Winter Olympics? The
0: Summer Olympics were supposed to be 2020, I believe.
1: Okay, so it doesn't matter for that either. Okay. Um, okay, well, that crushes my point because I was going to say, well, gosh, you know, you had the Winter Olympics in there too. They're going to slide them in. I, like I said, I don't keep up with my Olympics like I used to. Well,
0: gr- grumpy old man, if you remember the last Olympics, they did not allow NHL players to play in the Olympics. That's why the United States team had a lot of college kids on it. And the Russian team, that's where we got to see Iakovichuk out there and a lot of the old Russian guys. I'm like, oh, I remember some of these names. But they did not allow NHL players to participate in last time's Olympic.
1: But I think they're going back to let them play, are they not? I'm not
0: sure exactly what's happening with that. I just remember the last time they had an Olympics, they did not allow them to compete.
1: I'm going to say it makes it more fun to watch them play, uh, the Olympic hockey teams play when you have professionals in there.
0: I think it helps grow the sport also, but that yeah. is a whole different conversation for a different day. I think when you do allow the, the top tier competition to play, I think it makes it more enjoyable. And those people who are just kind of like, i ah, watch the Olympics because it's the Olympics. They see a more quality uh, version of hockey on the ice. And I think it could possibly attract new fans. Yep.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, anything that you can do to expand your product out there for people and get them into it, you should do. I think it's short-sighted not to let the players play in the Olympics or any of those type of tournaments, you know, but the NHL is going to do what they're going to do, I guess.
0: Yes, absolutely. And Grumpy Old Man, before we kind of conclude today's podcast, I wanted to bring up something that happened on social media. I was able to show you a little bit before. I know you don't have any social media presence at all, Grumpy Old Man.
1: I think that's but- really good too.
0: <laughs> but our friends from the, uh, the Hockey Podcast Network, the Washington Capitals, I think it's the Caps Chirp Podcast, our friends Polly Cupcakes and Hockey Troll had a little snippet, and they were talking about the Islanders dynasty from, you know, 1980 to 1984, and they were trying to pronounce some of the names, okay. and they – and I know I showed you it, but my goodness – they butchered Mike Bossy's name. I can't even remember how they pronounced it—Mike Boosie? or I don't even remember. I was just—I was flabbergasted. I don't think they knew Brian Trottier. They knew his name was Trottier, not so much the Brian. Um, and you know, they didn't know Billy Smith. They didn't know a lot of different players on that team. And I was like Dennis Popfin, They were kind of questioning. I don't think they knew Dennis Popfin's first name. I was just kind of flabbergasted by it, and it kind of led me to think, grumpy old man, do the Islanders in that in that dynasty really get a lot of disrespect? in the hockey community?
1: I don't think in the hockey community, they're disrespected per se. Now, how old are these uh, Washington fellas? I mean, they're children, right? Am I assumed? That's what happens when you let a 10 year old play with the microphone function on his on his mom's laptop is you start saying stupid things like, like that. I mean, I'm not surprised, honestly. i talked with these guys, and they're nice enough fellas, but maybe their mommy needs to give them a warm glass of milk and send them to bed if you can't remember the names, like Mike Bossy or which Potvin was the good Potvin who played for the New York Islanders. I mean, you know, Stefan Person or whatever they called him.
0: They called him Stefan Person. It's definitely Steph- okay. Stephon Pearson. I mean,
1: Come on, you know, I, you know, I don't go on their podcast and say, well, first of all, I know how to pronounce the English language or any language, honestly. So you wouldn't see that from me. But you don't see me going, oh, oh Vichkeen or anything like that. You don't see,
0: Otase or anything like that. <laughs>
1: or you know, Rod Way, You know, nothing like that. You know, it's embarrassing. I actually, honestly, think it's an attempt for them to get me to go on their podcast because their ratings are so poor and they want the grumpy old man to bump their ratings and pump their show. That's what I, that's really, I mean, because if you're going to tell me that you don't know who Dennis Potvin is, I'm not going to call them stupid, but if you don't know who he is, you got to be stupid, right? I mean, let's be honest. I think it's they're just trying to rib and get under the grumpy old man's skin because they also mentioned the grumpy old man in their podcast. I mean, like I said, they're just looking for a ratings bump and a cheap pop from the grumpy old man. And I'm willing to help anybody out, you know, even with a lame attempt to uh, say that you don't know how to pronounce, you know, Mike Bossy's name. Uh, really? Okay.
0: Busse is how he pronounced it. I was like, "Oh, Polly Cupcakes, yikes!" I will say this though, Grumpy Old Man. It was a kind of a serious question because I had read a few articles that the the Islanders dynasty really doesn't get a lot of credit and respect that it deserves. I mean, nineteen straight series that will never be done again in any in any professional sport. And yeah, I, yeah. and I seriously wondered, you know, maybe the Islanders community, unless you're older and you got to witness that firsthand. They just don't get the respect they deserve for what they accomplished.
1: Yeah, I'm going to tell you what. Here's the thing. The Islanders weren't the high-flying Montreal Canadiens of the uh, late 70s when they won four cups in a row. you got to remember, at that time, you saw a lot of repeat champions also. You had the, the filthy Delphia Flyers had won two in a row, then Montreal won four in a row, then the Islanders won four in a row, and then you had after that Edmonton won four out of six. So I can see where, you know, we think that the Islanders maybe get lost in, uh, in the shuffle there. But uh, the one thing the Islanders can do, you're right. None of those other teams won 19 straight playoff series period. And I don't think you're ever going to see that again. Um, just too much changeover in hockey from year to year with free agency and everything else. Uh, and I, I just think the the one thing the Islanders had that the other teams did not have, the Islanders could play any style of game. If the game was ultra-physical, the Islanders could play that game. If you wanted to play the finesse game, they could play that too. That's a thing that a lot of these – Montreal couldn't do it. You could bully them to stop them. And that's how that's that's how they got, wound up getting beat. They wound up getting bullied. They had tremendous talent, but you could bully them. And the same thing with Edmonton. I mean – when the islanders were relatively healthy their last stanley uh, their last stanley cup winning run they absolutely dominated edmonton dominated them i mean i realize edmonton was a little bit younger but they were the favorites going into that series a heavy favorite and the islanders stopped them so you know i just i just don't know that the Islanders get the respect from maybe it was just where they fell in between those two teams. You got to remember Montreal, high flying team, Edmonton, super offensive squad, also, but not the greatest defensive team in Edmonton. They weren't.
0: Well, another thing I kind of wondered about this, too, grumpy old man, and you kind of touched on it a little bit. Is do the Islanders in that dynasty not get the credit also because they have been the laughing stock of the league for a substantial amount of time after that? I'm wondering if that's kinda of marred that that amazing dynasty they had, because when your team is as hideous as they were, I mean, you think about the Oakland Raiders talking about football. They used to be a real, real tough team back in the day. And, you know, since then, they've kind of been a stock of the league for a substantial amount of time. I know real football fans don't forget, you know, what Kenny the Snake, or the Snake Stabler was able to do back there and all of the great teams the Oakland Raiders were able to put together. But I was wondering if maybe the Islanders' dynasty doesn't get the amount of credit it also deserves is because the Islanders have been a real laughing stock for a substantial amount of time now, given yep. they're turning it back around. But I was just wondering that.
1: No, I don't think that has anything to do with it because anyone who knows anything about football knows the Raiders were a great team. They're not anymore. I mean, you know, the Cleveland Browns were a great team too. I mean, you know, but it doesn't diminish what they did back in the 1950s. I mean, they were a really, really good football team back then. And I think another reason why the Islanders maybe don't get – doesn't get the respect, in, like you said, in the hockey community, they're not from Canada. They weren't even the number one most popular team in New York. That's the Rangers. I know it pains Islander fans to hear that, but that's the number one team in New York. Is the Rangers? It's not the Islanders, and I think that hurt them also. Um, you didn't see you don't you didn't see the proliferation of hockey on a, a national scale like you do now. Um, back then in the eighties, it was a niche sport. I mean, it, those are just facts. But like I said, I'll put that Islander team up against any of those teams back then. I mean, I have no problem at all. I think the Islanders, like I said, the biggest advantage that they had, they could play any way that you wanted, any style. And those other teams couldn't. Um, And those are just facts. And like I said, 19 straight playoff series, if we weren't so banged up Going into that last series against Edmonton, I really thought we were going to beat Edmonton. I really did back then. I just, I didn't think we were, we were, I didn't think we were capable of losing, honestly. That's how, because we've been through those wars year after year after year. But, you know, we were really, really banged up. And at the end, that's what got them through. You got to remember the Eastern Conference was so tough back then, and the West was not. That was a cakewalk for Edmonton year after year. And, Edmonton won a lot of cups uh, in those years because they never had to face Calgary. Calgary was their bugaboo team that they couldn't beat. Calgary would always wind up getting knocked off early against somebody else and didn't want to play up against Edmonton. Uh, except, and the one year that Edmonton, uh, that Calgary won the cup was when uh, Edmonton got, I think, eliminated by the Kings. Um, you know what? Uh, you know what? Here's the thing. That's so long ago. I'm not even going to put. I'm not even put the grumpy old man stamp of approval on that. I just do. I do remember Calgary beat uh, Montreal to win that cup in 19 whatever, 80 whatever. So <laughs> it was a, it was a long time ago. So if I added up the years, I could figure it out. Maybe it's 88. I don't know. Something like
0: that. Oh, grumpy old man. Well, I just had to mention it because I know you're. We are good friends with Pauly Cupcakes and the Hockey Troll, and I knew you. A could of pick up that. Oh, grumpy. Is there anything else you kind of want to say before we wrap up today's podcast? I know you got some good riffs in there, Polly Cupcakes and the Hockey Troll. and We got to talk a little bit about the playoff scenario and how things line up for the Islanders and, and what's going on in the Islanders' community and the Islanders' you know, franchise organization. But is there anything else you wanted to add to today's podcast before we wrap things up, grumpy old man?
1: Yeah, no, I, I just, like I said, I'm just geeked up for the playoffs. And I feel better about the Islanders' chances now than I did, you know, however long ago, what, two, two, three months ago, for certain. I mean, I thought we were dead in the water, and I think we have a legitimate shot to go somewhere this year. I think you're going to see a lot of upsets, and hopefully our goaltending, somebody gets to stand on their head because then we have a chance. We really do.
0: Yep, either Grice or Varlamov. Hopefully they come out of the gates hot and they're able to really establish themselves in the net because if that's the case, I think the Islanders are a really tough team to beat. I agree with you, Grumpy Old Man, and thank you so much again for being on today's podcast.
1: My pleasure as always.
0: And thank you so much to the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, they allow us to go ahead and publish this podcast on multiple different platforms. Whether you listen to your podcast on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can find the Hockey Podcast version of the Never Say Die podcast. So thanks so much again to them. Thank you so much to listeners. And thank you again, Grumpy Old Man. I'm excited for hockey too. And, you know, things can't be looking brighter right now. So thank you again, the Grumpy Old Man.
1: Thank you.